At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 511th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Today on our podcast, we have someone who is passionate about sharing good gardening information with others. We're talking with Angela Judd about inspiring gardeners to grow. Angela is an avid vegetable, flower, and fruit tree gardener. As a mother of five, she enjoys growing and preparing food from the garden for her family. She shares inspiration and tips on her blog, growinginthegarden.com, and other social media channels to help home gardeners successfully grow their own. As a certified master gardener, Angela has been featured in Phoenix Home and Garden, San Diego Home and Garden, Edible Phoenix, Family Fun, Burpee.com, and is a regular contributor to the Master Gardener publications. Her articles and videos can be found in several well-known online publications, including Better Homes and Gardens, Gardeners.com, and GardeningKnowHow.com. Welcome to the show today, Angela. Are you ready to rock your garden? You bet. Excellent. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today? I grew up visiting my grandparents' garden when we would visit them in Indiana and had great memories of that and always wanted to start a garden but didn't really have the room or the time. And we moved back to Arizona after an absence of many, many years and about 10 years ago. And we finally had a backyard that was large enough to start a garden and I gave it a try. I read square foot gardening front, you know, cover to cover. And I thought, you know what, I can do this. And I started my own square foot garden. I went to Home Depot and asked them to cut the wood for me and get, you know, followed the directions and had some success. And then I really got to the point where I felt like I was having success, but yet didn't know where to look for the answers that I had. Everyone that I would talk to, you know, would give me kind of this answers, but I, I, I almost felt like I knew a little bit, but not enough. So I was trying to find places to find the answers to go forward. And that's where your blog came from. Well, actually, that's where I, I found out about the Master Gardener program. Oh, so interesting. So then I, yeah, so I found out about Master Gardeners and I thought, okay, there's some people that know more because I didn't know where to look to find correct information for gardening in Arizona because it is a different very a different beast if you will than than what you know you don't look on the back of the seed packet for the directions exactly. when you're gardening in Arizona yep. it's, it's much different so yeah so i applied to get in the master gardener program and was thrilled when i got accepted and attended the classes and just soaked it all in i loved being in a room with other people passionate about gardening with an instructor that normally had a degree in whatever topic we were learning about that day, which was fabulous. I mean, someone passionate about 
beneficial insects or compost or, you know, all these other things that I've, you know, grown to love and be passionate about, but you don't always, you know, come across, you know, fellow gardeners like that. So that was a really unique and fun opportunity to go through the Master Gardener program. And I really feel like one of the best benefits of the Master Gardener program is the opportunity that you have to volunteer in the demonstration garden. Yes. Pam Perry, I, you probably know who she is. Oh, yes. She She's amazing. And to have the opportunity to just walk with her through the garden, you know, before class each day and listen to her talk about things and notice the little things that were going on in the garden and to learn how to compost, you know, by doing it in her garden, in the demonstration garden, that was invaluable. I mean, that was, I learned so much from the classes and from Pam. And really that's when my garden at home kind of, you know, started to really take off and I wanted to share what I was learning. And so I started writing articles for the Master Gardener uh, Roots and Shoots publication. Uh-huh. I would write a vegetable a month article oh, and nice. learn a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. So I started that way and got a little collection of articles and then decided to share it on a broader audience with, with my blog and through social media and channels like that. When you have a pretty extensive blog, I saw your article this morning. I was looking at it and I saw your article this morning on strawberries and growing strawberries. Okay. And you write extensively. That's got to be what, three or 4,000 words? Most articles are, no, probably under about 1,000 words or less. But that's still extensive. Yeah, I really want to give good information. I, I like to have it be clear and kind of walk through the steps and For example, something like strawberries in Arizona are not the easiest thing to grow. And I want to kind of convey that to people that you can grow them. But if you want to be successful, there are some steps you need to do. So, yeah, a lot of effort and time goes into writing the articles. Luckily, I have a really supportive husband who edits. He's an attorney. And so he edits my articles for me. Oh, nice. He's more of the the detail guy that's behind the scenes kind of keeping me... uh, publishing ready. So he's great. But yeah, no, I, I'm passionate about sharing what I'm learning, you know, and, you know, practicing it in my garden. And then once I'm successful sharing, sharing what I've learned. Yeah. One of the things that I've found over the years, and I've been gardening here in Phoenix for over 40 years, is that it's a constant learning process. And what I do is I share with people in my classes what I found that works best for me, and then they have to go and learn for themselves and discover for themselves. Have you found that that's the case? Absolutely, especially because every year is a little bit different. And what we have success with one year, you know, circumstances, weather may change, all of those things. So it's definitely a learning process. And that's what I've loved so much about the social media community on Instagram, especially there's so many people willing to share what they're learning. I know there are several gardeners that I look to and have asked questions to that have more experience absolutely than I do. And people are really willing to share that. And we kind of learn together, you know, as we are in this this process of, you know, we have this love for gardening. And I think that as we help each other, we all all learn more. It's it's really, it's really been great. When you've engaged in a really cool group of people, the Master Gardeners, I'm sure there's a lot of community there that you get to learn from. Absolutely. Some of the, of course, like we said, with Pam, Pam and yep. then Carol Stittard is an absolute resource. I've reached out to her several different times when I've had questions about things, and she is more than willing to share her knowledge. And there's really an unselfishness about the way the gardeners 
kind of share what we, you know, what they've learned with each other. And really there's a desire for everyone to kind of learn and grow together. All of this community piece supports my vision. And I'm sure other people have this vision too, is, you know, what if there was a garden and a fruit tree in every yard? Wouldn't that be cool? Oh, absolutely. And I think we're moving that direction. I feel like as I visit with people and talk to people, you can inspire them and make them realize that it, it doesn't have to be difficult. You can start small, smart, start where you are, grow something your family likes to eat, you know, have success and build on that, you know, develop those habits of spending a little bit of time outside every day and finding ways to teach and learn, you know, those around from those around you. And it really, I think it, it, it does. I think it, it is growing, becoming a, a way of life yes. for a lot of families. Yes. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Are you running into some common misconceptions out there that stop people from gardening? I think there are a lot of people that come to Arizona or start, you know, in a new place and aren't sure of it's different from where they've been. And so when they they try something and it doesn't work based on, you know, following the rules from wherever it was they came from, then they feel like that they're not successful rather than maybe the timing wasn't the right thing. Or you look at, you know, the soil conditions or how is it watered, those kinds of things. I think people are quick to be like, oh, I can't do that, as opposed to let me get some information and learn how to do this and let's try again. And I think once people can break through that and have a little bit of success and understand that, you know, not everything that I plant does well every year, you know, each year is different. And just because you have, you know, the, I think the title of master gardener is funny because it's absolutely, we're, you know, you're not a master gardener, but you know where to look to find the answers. Right. And, and I'm sure there's a huge resource in the master gardener program for that. Absolutely. If somebody's feeling frustrated with their gardening results, what's some advice that you would give them? I would definitely take a look at, we talked about timing, but also your soil. You know, we talked about how important your soil is and feeding your soil, not to minimize that part of gardening, to make sure that you have a really good foundation, you know, whether that's, you know, raised beds with square foot gardening, or if you're amending with wood chips or whatever method you're doing, that you're paying attention to your soil and you're not expecting, you know, something that's not possible from, from the soil and paying as much attention to feeding your soil as feeding your crops and really being aware of the relationship within the soil of all the microorganisms and how much, you know, each year as you practice good techniques and organic principles and you're feeding your soil and you're practicing crop rotation and all of those things, how, Success will build on success and not getting frustrated at the beginning because you don't quite have that because it, it does take time to build that soil. So kind of making sure that you have a good foundation for soil as a you know first step for success. Yeah. And this is, I tell people this all the time. Gardening is one great big grand experiment. We have to keep experimenting, see what, you know, see what's going to work for us in our space. Correct. Yeah. And I think the nice thing is there are crude benefits from gardening. I've noticed that the longer that I'm gardening, some things that, you know, come back year after year. And I don't really even have to think about but that that process that nature really does have a flow and an ebb and it, it takes care of its own. As you practice good principles, you will be rewarded in the garden. And it's, it's beautiful to see that. But again, to tell people not to get frustrated at the beginning, don't give up. Just start small and let's, you know, start at the beginning and figure out how to, how to be successful. When you've mentioned doing this organically. That's a really important piece to getting healthy soil, is it not? 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You want to make sure that you're not adding a lot of, you know, chemicals and things to the soil that are going to deplete all of the good, you know, microorganisms and things that are going to feed, feed your roots. And you want to have good practices, you know, it's, and it's a process. And I learned this, it was interesting. I visited Carol Spittard's plot in her garden plot and we walked around and she took a different approach than I had seen before. There were some herbs flowering and there were aphids and she's like, oh yeah, I'm just waiting for the ladybugs to come. And Mm -hmm. I thought, you know, that is, that's different than what most people think. Right. You know, and that was a, that was a real aha moment for me, a teaching moment of, you know, as soon as it's done, you don't necessarily need to pull everything out. I mean, sometimes we do because we want to plant something else, but at the same time, we want to let the garden processes kind of let nature take care of things. And as you, you know, you have those aphids, whatever, you're going to bring in the ladybugs and you're going to have that whole ecosystem going in your garden and how effective that can be with organic gardening. And if you're coming in and treating even with spraying water or, you know, treating everything that you see, you're not giving nature a chance to play its part in the success of your garden. Yeah. And that's a really important piece of it. And that's what I teach around permaculture is making sure that you do let nature have its way. Because once we let those systems work, they work. Haven't you found that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just being taking a step and pausing, I think, before you treat, you know, and like I say, it, just taking that step, just, just pausing for a little bit to decide, do I really need to, to do something rather than automatically, even if you're reaching for, you know, a spray of water or soapy water, even if it's an organic controlled, you know, do I need to take that step? Yeah, I've been organic here at the Urban Farm for 30, I've lived here for 30 years, I've been organic for 30 years, and people ask me, well, what do you do about the bugs? And I said, well, yeah, there's bugs, and aphids do show up. Aphids show up on my broccoli in April. Mm-hmm. By the way, it should have been picked in February and March. Right, <laughs> you know? yeah, that's a signal, you know, that the plant right. is reaching the end of its life cycle. Exactly. I had a, a neat experience the other day. My son rides the bus home from school, and he had sheltered a ladybug the entire way Aww. home. And we, there's a few plants that, you know, we know are kind of the milkweed or things that are known to have aphids. And so he knows where those are because mm-hmm. he's grown up in the garden with me. And he sheltered this ladybug, and we went out looking for one of those plants that had aphids and gave it, you know, brought the ladybug to the aphids. And it was such a satisfying mom moment, if you will, because this is a, you know, he's eight and he's grown up, you know, eating fresh fruit and vegetables out of the garden his whole life. And to see his enthusiasm and excitement and to know that this ladybug needs aphids, let's go find him in the garden. And that was, that was a fun, real fun moment from, for mom there. I have to tell you, I'm getting tingles and I'm going to say that's a very satisfying Urban Farm Podcast host moment. That was cool. <laughs> Congratulations. Oh, thanks. Yeah, he's he's enthusiastic, I think, would be the number one word to describe him. And that enthusiasm often shows up in the garden, whether it's planting seeds. I mean, he wants to plant something right now. He wants to pull carrots. You know, it's, it's a very rewarding. And I think as people have success and experience that with their families, that that success will build. And I really, that's, that's why I'm so passionate about what I do. Nice. I can, I can hear that in your voice. You used a term a little while ago, accrued benefits. Can you say more about that? There are, in life, you know, there are things that we do, you know, where you think of investing and things that bring long-term benefits that just build on each other. And I, and I found that to be true in my garden. You know, my first 
garden, the soil was okay. But the more that I, once I learned, you know, did the demonstration garden, learned to compost. And once I started composting my own and adding that to my soil, it just, it would get better and better. And so as things, as I plant things, they're healthier, they're happier, you know, there's less, less issues. And that just keeps, that keeps that process going. And then it, I, I experience success and it's fun to garden because the soil is good. The plants are happy. Not to say that there aren't things that are hard, but you definitely see success. Another of my favorite examples of accrued benefits, I guess, in the garden is wildflowers. I love growing wildflowers in Arizona. And last year, for example, we had an amazing year for wildflowers because when we have some wet weather, it wakes everything up and, and it's beautiful. And those were seeds that I planted six or seven years ago and haven't fun? really done much with since. Yeah. And you know, you see the larkspur and, you know, all these things coming up and it's, it's gorgeous. And really, I didn't have a lot to do with that. I sprinkled a package of wildflower seeds, you know, six years ago, but yet nature kind of took over and some years are better than others, but that's absolutely an accrued benefit. You know, from year to year, you see those, I'm seeing the wildflowers start to pop up in my yard and, you know, it's, it's it's great. You know, it's really satisfying. I think that for me, that's a big part of the food forest concept that I put in place here at my property over the past 30 years where things just magically come back year after year after year. In fact, mm-hmm. I, I, if we harvest all of the, the Jerusalem artichokes, which is a, like a potato thing that lives underground mm-hmm. that is growing in my wild patch in the backyard, we'd probably get 50 or 75 pounds of them. And they've just been growing their wild for the past 15 years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet potatoes would be a similar example. You know, you don't always get every sweet potato. And so even if you rotate spots, I notice in my yard, there's a sweet potato patch growing, not where I planted it, but where it was planted a few years ago. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, and has there been a moment where you were sharing information about gardening and it inspired somebody? You know, with social media, it's been interesting because people will reach out to me a lot of times just desperate for help. And I say, I've tried this, I've tried this, and it hasn't worked. And, you know, just sharing a few principles or giving them some some tips to kind of get started. And also just an encouragement to say, you know what, you're not alone. That's happened to me. And to hear the relief in their voices and, you know, Mm. in their comments to say, oh, okay, okay, I'm going to try That happened to you? Oh, good. Okay. So I'm, I'm on the right path or just helping them to kind of be encouraged and inspired, I think, to understand that it's a process and try again. You know, this this wasn't a great year for Armenian cucumbers for me. You know, in years past, I've had buckets and I'd leave, you know, bags full with all my neighbors. And this year I've had very few. And, you know, I think sometimes it's helpful to share our not so successes with people because it, it can be encouraging as well to see that, you know, we're all learning and growing together too. Right. I'm pretty vocal about when I kill something because people look to me, given I've been doing this for so long, people look to me as the expert. I put that in air quotes because I wouldn't call myself an expert. I'd I'd call myself somebody that's practicing, but I'm pretty vocal when I kill something because I need for people to know that this is just part of the learning process. Yeah, this is very embarrassing, but I'll I'll be (laughs) vulnerable here, I guess, and share it. So you know, planting. There's always things that don't survive the summer. And I save my receipts if I shop at Home Depot so I can return that plant. But I returned a plant to Home Depot and I looked down and noticed I was wearing my Master Gardener polo shirt. I thought, oh "Oh, no, (laughs) I don't know if they're going to take this back. I'm supposed to know what I'm doing. But, you know, luckily they didn't, but they took it back and 
I tried again. So, you know, something doesn't work. You try a different plant or do something, but yeah. anyway, master, yeah, master gardeners I, still return things. There you go. And what I tell people is that when you kill something, now you know how not to do it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And if you see a big boulder in my yard, then you know that there's, I've tried a few different things and nothing's going to grow there. So <laughs> there you go. There you go. So you yeah. contribute to the Master Gardener publications. What are these and how can our listeners find them for their own area? That is a good question. I am not sure if the Roots and Shoots publication is available to the public. I'd have to look into that. But definitely check with your local county extension office because I know that the local county extension office with Maricopa County has many, many publications that they publish online, which is different from the monthly publication that I contribute to. They have research-based articles teaching you everything from, you know, citrus care to how to install turf to, you know, fruit and nut trees, you know, all of these different things that you may have questions about in their in their website. So there's a list of publications you can access. And so I would recommend looking to your local county extension office, finding their website, and then searching within that website for things that are of interest to you. Perfect. I tell people to do that all the time. I had a guy last night and did a, I did a lecture on fruit trees and he asked about, well, what about fruit trees at the 5,000 foot elevation? It's like, yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> But go check with the master gardeners and at the cooperative extension office in your county. So that's, right. you know, and that's everywhere in the United States. Right. And I, the, what I really like about the master gardeners program and the extension office is it is research-based publications. You know, they're not trying to sell you something. They're, they don't have an angle, if you will. Yeah. They really are focused on giving good information. And I think leading those people to those resources is is very helpful and important. So I'm going to shift on you and I would like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure and what you might've learned from it. So onions, I feel like onions are my nemesis. I have planted them many different ways and I've struggled. If you look on my blog, there is not a how to grow onions post because I have not successfully grown onions at a level that I feel like I have knowledge to share. So you know, I've had different issues. So what I've done, and I'm, I'm really hopeful that this is my year. So we'll keep you posted, I guess, on that one. But what I've done is I reached out to Carol Sitard, went and saw her onion patch and saw all of her success, reached, read what I could. And then I'm just trial and error, trying different things, you know, different spots in my yard, different ways of planting, and really just practicing, you know, what I preach, trying to find a way to, to be successful with this crop. I know other people have been successful. And so I know I can be, and there's kind of that community again. I'm really trying to, to be, this is the year that I'm going to have big onions that don't bolt. Nice. So yeah. Good luck to you. And when you find, figure that out, please share it with me. Cause that's one of the things that I haven't been successful at is, is growing onions. And we eat a lot of sweet onions here. One of the things I learned from Carol Stittard to be successful is to not use the kind of dried out onion bulbs. Oh. Decided that they're, you know, they're dried up and that stresses them and they tend to bolt more. So it's best to grow from seed or from the, the green starts that you see, because once they've kind of dried up, that has stressed the onion. So that was one of the first things 
I learned, and I have definitely had more success since I started growing from from the little starts. And this year, I'm growing all from my own seed. So we'll see. Last year, I I had two areas in my yard, and I put it in the area of the yard. I planted the onions in the spot that doesn't get as much sun. And so I feel like that was my issue last year was maybe not enough sun. So this year, they're getting prime location, best winter sun from seed. And, you know, like I say, I think this is my year. But nice. We'll, We'll see. And have you grown toy onions? That's a little bit different kind of onion. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I have grown thousands of those. Right. I remember at my master gardener class, they gave us a couple little dried up mm-hmm. toy onions. And I thought, oh, I, I didn't get very many. This I don't know. And they're like, no, don't worry. It'll be fine. And I planted those and they, you know, we ate them and enjoyed them, but also they grew and multiplied. And each year I give out hundreds of Itoy onions to really, you know, a lot of people who ask for them, I share as many as I can in as many ways as I can. And I have, you know, plenty to share, plenty to grow and they're, they're wonderful. Yeah. There's an article on my blog about growing Itoy onions and what a, what a great example of, of gardening and how, you know, there's always enough, even if we share, there's, there's still enough to share. Exactly. I've said this for years that there's only one place that lack lives and that's between our ears because when I look in my garden, there is so much abundance. So what do you consider your biggest success? I would definitely say my family. I have a great husband who's super supportive. We have five kids and we enjoy spending time together. We like each other. Nice. And for me, that is ultimately, you know, you know, no other success can compensate for that. It's, it's really, it's the best. And honestly, I, I'm so appreciative of the support that my husband gives me. He's very supportive. It takes a lot of work to, you know, do do all of this and to, oh, yeah. to write. And you get discouraged sometimes. You think, okay, should I be doing this? And he's so supportive. So that that to me has been absolutely my biggest my biggest accomplishment is is that family and that support. Nice. And you said something really cool. We like each other. That is so important. <laughs> That is so important. No, we really do. Yeah. yeah. As I have a couple of children that are now adults and I really, I do enjoy them. I enjoy being with them. I enjoy spending time with them. And that is, I count that as a, a very big blessing. I was going to say that's a huge blessing right there. And what drives you? You know, I often think of that feeling I had when I wanted to garden so bad, but I didn't know exactly what to do and I didn't know how to do it. And so I think of me in that situation and I think, how do I help that person? How do I help them find the answers they need to be successful? Because it really is not a lack of desire or motivation. It's just a lack of good information. And so that's what drives me is trying to provide really you know, good information, clear information, and some inspiration to help people be successful. That's, that, that's what drives me. Sweet. And if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why? There's so many gardening books, obviously, but a book that I really love is Atomic Habit by James Clear. You know, we talked about accrued benefits in gardening. He talks a lot about accrued benefits in your life and how to set up systems so you can be successful and just improving, you know, a little bit each day. It's just really practical, hands-on advice with, you know, setting yourself up for success, starting good habits, trying to eliminate bad habits. And it's a lot of wisdom. And I, you know, many of the principles can be applied to gardening, but also just just life. To life, Great yeah, book. exactly. That you know, when we're when the more self aware we become, I found for me the happier I am. Absolutely, yeah. 
What one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? I would say whatever it is you're doing in life, whether it's gardening, I mean, it should be gardening. Of course it should be gardening, but if it's not gardening, that's okay. But whatever it is that you're doing in life, find something that you're passionate about. Find something that you love. Just once you've discovered what you're passionate about and you've learned all you can, then share that information with others. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Angela. Oh, I've loved being here. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. Some great, great things that you shared. Thank you. And how can our listeners find you? Sure. Um, My blog, growinginthegarden.com. You can find me there. I'm on Instagram at Growing in the Garden and on Facebook, Growing in the Garden as well. There's a little theme. We're growing in the garden together, hopefully. So find Uh, me there. Excellent. So I peeked at her blog over the past week preparing for this. And Angela, she has great writing. Go check out her blog. So thank you Thanks, for all Greg. that. Yeah, that. You, bet. you can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash Angela Judd. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.